Welcome back. We are in Esther chapter 2, verse 19. Let's go. Esther 2, chapter uh, verse 19. All right, so we've got King Xerxes. He was defeated against the Grecians. He wasn't able to advance anymore. He, he had this giant party. His wife wouldn't obey him when he was drunk, and he wanted to show off her beauty in front of others, so she said no. He got rid of her, got this new queen, and this is Esther. So Esther, Esther is now the queen, married to King Azurus, which we believe is King Xerxes. And that's what's going on here. 19, chapter 2. When virgins were gathered together a second time, Mordecai sat within the king's gate. Now Esther had not revealed her family and her people, just as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai as when she was brought up by him. <laughs> so, Esther is related to Mordecai. She didn't have parents, so Mordecai took her under his wing and essentially adopted her as a daughter and brought her up. He had told her not to tell people about her, her nationality which was Jewish, or her culture, or her belief in God, or whatever that all that entailed. But she, he was basically commanded commanded her to keep it private. Now that's wrong. It was wrong in that culture. It's wrong in our culture. We want to be public about our faith, even if it means big consequences. You can think about Daniel. You can think about other examples in the Bible. But that does not mean that God can work through our silence. He can. doesn't mean that he can work through uh, anyone who keeps their faith private. He can. But if you're keeping your faith private, it's evidence that you just may not be saved. So be public with your profession, right? That's what baptism is. It's an outward sign of an inward change. It's a public proclamation of something that has already occurred. You've already been saved according to the grace of Jesus. You've already been justified. Now you're just going out and telling people publicly. So she is queen. She is married to King Xerxes in 21. In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Bigthan and Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. What's going on? These two dudes, who were like on the cabinet of the king, they were important to him. Something came up, they got upset, and they wanted to hurt King Ahasuerus. Mordecai had a position... <laughs> And is one of the king's people, and he was like, no, this isn't good. And the whole time, God's working behind the scenes, right? How did Mordecai get wind of this? I don't know. I think God arranged it, right? And But certainly God knew that he was going to get wind of this, and he knew he was going to tell the king and all that stuff, right? So just because God isn't mentioned doesn't mean he's not around. Just because you can't see God physically doesn't mean he doesn't love you, doesn't mean he knows exactly what's going on and what's going to occur and lay out tomorrow, the next day in your lifetime. But you still have free will to make your choices, yet God is sovereign. They work together. We can't quite understand that because we have finite minds. God has an infinite mind. He transcends time. People are like, well, how did he know the future if he doesn't know the past? How does it go in the past? God transcends time. Time is a thing that he built for us humans. It's not something he has for himself. He doesn't care about time. It's just something that we use to keep track of past, present, and future. <laughs> All right, so um, he tells Queen Esther, who is his relative, and he raised her, 
and she's going to tell the king in Mordecai's name. He's going to be like, hey, guess what, king? Mordecai, who should get all the credit for this, told me this so that you would be aware so that you don't get hurt. But Mordecai doesn't actually get any of the credit. Is that okay? Yeah, sometimes in life you're not going to get the credit for something great that you do, but you'll usually get the bad results from something bad that you do. But that's just life, okay? So if you don't get credit, don't worry about it because that's just our pride. There are so many things that you do in this life, especially for Jesus, that will go completely unrewarded in this life. Oftentimes I'll do something, I'll be like, won't someone recognize that I did that for Jesus? And just no one does. But that's just my pride, wanting to be acknowledged either before men or God reaffirming me. But God knows if it was truly done for the glory of God and motivated for his purpose, for his kingdom, and not for me getting recognized, getting my name out there, getting a pat on the back, getting, oh, great job, Mike, or oh, thank you, Mike. That's what we truly get rewarded for in heaven. So often though we do something, and even though we think it may be motivated for, say, Jesus, we are still wanting to get some kind of feedback because that is our pride. Don't worry about it. Do a lot of things, and don't worry about getting any feedback. If you do, great. You know, sometimes feedback is encouraging. It's just a reminder. I got feedback uh, from someone this morning in a men's group that I'm part of, and he said, hey, I've been wanting to tell you this for a long time. I was like, great. And I was talking to God about it on the way home. I was like, I don't get feedback a lot of the time, and I really don't know how it lands on certain people. But it's nice when you do get that feedback. Not for my pride. I was just kind of wanted it for reassurance uh, of knowing that what I'm doing is making a difference. So if you're doing it for God, it doesn't matter. You're, you're not going to get rewarded for a lot of the stuff. Some of it you will, and some of it you, you, the devil's going to use to confuse you and, and go after your pride and be like, I'm going to stop you from going after things that are God for uh, your motivation for him. I'm going to make it all about you so that you're doing stuff. You're putting a name on a building. You're giving money so that people look at you and applaud you and congratulate you and stuff like that, right? But that's not what God wants. <laughs> 23. And when an inquiry was made into the matter, it was confirmed, and both were hanged on gallows. And it was in, written in the book of Chronicles in the presence of the king. Now, um, this was a common way that uh, people were taken care of back then in Persia, and they were hanged. Even uh, the Greek historian Herodotus uh, wrote about this. That was a standard punishment for uh, people like that. And we go on to chapter 3, verse 1. We're just moving right along. Chapter 3, verse 1. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agitite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage homage. So what's going on here? For whatever reason, this guy Haman gets promoted. It appears to me that he's not really respected or worthy of that promotion in the eyes of the other people. He passed up some people. He got promoted above some people, if you will, and they're probably upset about it because if you truly get into leadership by earning people's respect and attention, then they're going to want to be around you and want to serve you. But here it sounds like he was forced, uh, he was pulled into this position, probably not, not the most qualified person. Other people did not have respect for him, and so they, the king forced them to bow down and respect Haman. 
Well, you can't be forced to respect someone. Respect is something that's earned. It's not something that's forced or mandated. But here, this person was probably so unrespected, disrespected, however you say it, that the king actually had to institute this rule that says you got to bow down to him. Um, now, Mordecai, again, we talked about this. He was quiet and private with his faith up until this point. But now, for some reason here, he decides to stand strong for God and not worship anyone else, right? It says he would not bow or pay homage. We do see a lot of examples in the Bible where certain people are bowing or paying homage to certain political figures, etc. Uh, it's, it's my contention, and I would say this in our society today, that we should bow to no one. I can't think of a specific instance where we would bow to someone. If the president came before me, I wouldn't bow. If the pope came before me, I wouldn't bow. If the leader of Islam or Mormonism or anything or Catholicism or anywhere came before me, I would not bow, even if you know they expected it or required it, which I don't think they do. But I wouldn't do it because, for me, that's idolatry. I'm not going to bow to someone or anything except for Jesus. I'm going to pray to Jesus. And I would bow. You don't even you don't even do that to angels, right? The angels, people would bow to them, and they'd be like, "Hey, no, 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 no. Only Jesus is worthy of respect. Uh, that kind of of worship, not respect." Verse three. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, "Why do you transgress the king's command?" Notice that it's the other people who are who are doing this. Uh, Haman hadn't said anything about this right now. Maybe Haman didn't know. Or maybe Haman was too scared to say anything. But these other people are like, yo, yo, what's going on? It's interesting. I think they're just like, hey, if we have to do this, why aren't you doing it? You should have to do this. It's kind of that person in society who, again, they're just always pointing the finger, finding things wrong with everybody else. They're so afraid of someone passing them or getting away with something they don't get away with where they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If we have to do this, then you have to do this. Kind of that tattletale type deal. That's what I feel like is going on right here. Verse 4, Now it happened, when they spoke to him daily, and he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman, to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. So Mordecai had kept this quiet. He had told Esther to keep it quiet, keep it quiet that she's a Jew. But now, for the first time, he's coming out and he's saying, I'm not going to bow because I am Jewish. He's standing strong. Finally, again, he should have done this sooner. But now, at least, finally, he's standing strong. Um, And then tomorrow, we will pick up in verse 5. So, what's the best application? You pick what you wanted, what we talked about. For me, one of the best applications is simply being vocal about your faith, not keeping your faith private. That is not an option for a Christ follower. We are to not hide our light. We are to be salt and light to a world, to a lost and dying world. There are people who need you. There are people around you who you know who may be dying soon. It may be your last chance to reach out to that person and tell them about Jesus, the good news of Jesus, that you're not saved by your deeds but by grace, not by what you do and not by who you are but by whose you are, and that's loved by Jesus. And if you accept him in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Lord, thank you for this day. Help us to fall madly in love with you more and more. Help us to want to serve you. Your 
may, you're not going to reward us for a lot of the stuff we, we do in this life. In fact, we may even be persecuted and hurt. But as we do things for you, we're going to grow towards you. Even if it results in pain, uh, rejection, social status, pains, uh, financial pain, anything like that, Lord. If we're growing towards you and learning more about you, we're going to have a more joyful and understanding life, more hopeful life. So help us to seek peace and joy. Not peace as in comfort, but peace as knowing whose who's we are and that's yours. Help us to seek that more than the riches of this life. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.